0: Welcome to the Breakthrough Podcast. I'm J. Paul Freidenmaker, and I am amazed by all you folks who do fundraising, inviting generous people to resource causes all over the world. In the Breakthrough Podcast, we interview high net worth givers globally to listen and learn about how we as fundraisers can do our best work in inviting people to the party. Thank you for listening in. Our guest today has done way too many things to list in a short introduction, Uh, but you may know him as the co-founder of Faith Driven Entrepreneur and Faith Driven Investor, Uh, maybe a board member of Generosity Path, a Journey of Generosity Retreat champion, the co-founder and partner of Sovereign's Capital, or the co-founder and CEO of Bandwidth.com. I do know this. Henry Kessner would be most excited about his role as a husband to Kimberly and a father to three young adult boys. Henry is both a friend and ministry partner for many years. Listen in as Todd and I talk with him. Todd DeKreider, good to see you, buddy.
1: Jay Paul, great to be back on, man.
0: I know. You just got back from a major event. Tell us quickly what you were doing.
1: Yeah, C12 had a conference out in Denver where we brought in the chairs up front and then we had 1,300 missional business leaders out in Denver learning from each other about how to run a business in a way that honors the Lord. It was absolutely blessed. Amazing.
0: Yeah. So you've got a little follow-up to do now.
1: Uh, yeah, it, it was great, <laughs> um, but my word, um, I'm, uh, my cup is full for sure. It's like standing in the That's rain, right. getting more rain dripping in your cup. I'm like, I can't contain anymore.
0: It was really good. Though. I love it though. What a great... Uh, I mean, just a great initiative. So fun to hear about. And uh, this is our first official co-hosting interview. That's That's pretty fun.
1: I'm very excited. I could barely sleep last night. Okay. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I slept really well. (laughs) That's right. I'm excited for this, though.
0: Me too. I'm especially excited because I'm sitting here looking at... One of my favorite people in the world, Henry Kessner. Henry, welcome to the podcast. Jay, Paul, Todd, it is awesome to be with you guys. What an honor. I mean, the
2: first time you guys are doing this together and you chose me and all you got was me? Yeah.
1: <laughs> the list of folks I that wasn't... couldn't make it. I mean, you know. Yeah. It's, it's... I'd imagine. Glad to have
0: no, you. It's really fun. Henry, one of my favorite memories was when I visited you in Durham. And you had this ministry there, very cool ministry called Durham Cares. And I came down and and I I think I was just coming to, to just do a meet and greet. You and I were going to meet, but you had your colleague there and you turned on the camera and you're like, we're going to do an interview with Jay Paul. And that thing is still out there on YouTube. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually have, I actually posted it on LinkedIn about a month ago. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, I got to check it out. I know. It's very fun. But Henry, so good to have you. Thank you for making the time. Uh, goes without saying, you are a busy guy. You're doing so many cool things. But start off by just telling us a little about your family, where you guys live, and then tell us a little about the work you're doing.
2: Yeah, thank you. So um, my name is Henry Kester. I'm married to Kimberly, and we have our 25th anniversary coming up uh, in less than a month, which is kind of a big deal. We have three boys, 17, 19, and 21. Uh, We live in Los Gatos, California. When you and I got together, of course, I was living in Durham. So we've been here maybe about eight years. Um, Background is as an entrepreneur and then investor started a fund called Sovereign's Capital and then uh, started a couple of ministries that they grew out of that. One is called Faith Driven Entrepreneur. That means to equip and encourage Christian entrepreneurs around the world. And the other one is called Faith Driven Investor. Uh, to uh, the first one is more along the lines of stewarding your vocational opportunities and the vocational gifts you've been given, and the other one is more along the lines of stewarding the financial resources you've been given. And then we have a ministry here in the Bay Area called Generosity Bay Area, uh, which endeavors to see everybody in the Bay Area know one joyfully generous person who is a Christ follower. In the next decade so it's coming together with the body of christ helping them to answer the question about why they would give and then where to give and doing that in community
1: beautiful i think i like that last part the best is in community um so let's jump in there how how has doing community or generosity in community impacted how you do generosity
2: there's something you know wealth isolates Um, And then I've I've spent so much of my time as an entrepreneur, and then we serve entrepreneurs now, and entrepreneurship can be a really, really lonely journey. Uh, We get a sense that people just really don't understand us. Maybe the church doesn't understand us, um, although we are building bridges with pastors and entrepreneurs and givers to help them all come together. And yet there's something really powerful when people who have otherwise been isolated come together and realize that they're not the only one that is called to supporting orphanages and swaziland there are there are 30 or 40 and then finding these other people and then just the worship and the fellowship that comes satan would love to separate us all out it's the post tower babel reality all spread out but in the redemption of that story we come together as christ followers endeavoring to make him famous and the joy that comes from people sharing their best practices about well i gave here and here's some mistakes i made here but i've gotten so much joy here and it's just something super powerful and i do it selfishly because i love being in these groups
0: Mm, yeah, how, how many people participate in that, Henry? So we just got started about three years ago. Maybe we've got 1,500
2: people that are part of the community now. Wow. They're going through, you know, so we all know, of course, a ministry called Generous Giving. I believe we were the region in the country that had the most jogs over the course of the last year. And then people come out of these jogs and they do either Taste of Generosity Night where they'll gather yeah. around and they'll talk about clean water or church planning or microfinance or youth discipleship. And then we also have these pitch nights where people come together and they get an opportunity for four minutes or less to talk about a ministry that they and their spouse give to and why it's impacted them so much and at the end of the night and everybody does it and at yeah. the end of the night people then go ahead and say well in addition to the one i presented on i want to count me down for five grand for that one or that one. And oh, that's so cool no ministry personnel no ministry people there it's all this kind of safe space where our peers giving and yeah. it's just it's awesome
0: so Let's talk about just the business of giving a little bit. I, I don't mean to, you know dismiss the sacredness of it, uh, or maybe that could be included here. but what like what is the most confusing thing to you about your giving? and and maybe it, when you think about it, what sort of crops up?
2: Well, the most confusing thing to me about my giving continues to be how I personally and Kimberly personally answers the question, why we give. And um, you know, the first stage of our giving journey was we were giving away uh, probably 20% of our income. Actually, we were giving 20% of our income. And I was in my mid-30s, and bandwidth was starting to do better, and I met Daryl Heald and was a great friend of all of ours. And and, uh, Daryl listened to some of the different things we were doing, including Durham Cares, which he talked about at the beginning. And um, we, at the time, were giving away about 20% of our income. And he asked me, the question that sent me reeling, he asked me, why do you give? Mm -hmm. And I mumbled through something that was theologically C-minus, I think. I, I might have said something like, I want to pay it forward, or I don't know, I've been giving a lot of money. But really, in my heart, I was thinking, you know, there's probably a special place in heaven for the double tither. And I don't know what I'm getting. Maybe it's boxy. And you maybe even brushed your
1: knuckles at the same time, right? Yes.
2: I don't know what I'm getting, but I'm getting it. And um, Daryl didn't grade my response, but it seemed that everything that I read in Scripture for the next six months had something to do with money, including those that didn't. Uh, You know, five loaves and two fish feeding 5,000, realizing that Jesus had 100% of that boy's heart. Because I have three boys. I know what it's like to give up food, right? Jesus had 100%. <laughs> yeah, Jesus had 100% of that boy's heart. He had 20% of mine. And I realized, and it was the course of about six months, it was an incredibly spiritually rich time in my life, where I came to realize that really the answer about why I gave is out of gratitude and joy for the gift that's been given me of life. And as I received that gift at a fuller level, it allowed me to understand that he owns it all, but not in a way that you think it would be like taking it away from me. But actually, you know, I was given something much better in return, and just the joy that then Kimberly and I had as we started to give more generously and have this different perspective. Now, it's still confusing because I'm a really I'm a sinful fallen man. Yeah. And when I'm doing, uh, you know, again, I got three boys, and I love the the wisdom in Proverbs. So if it's a uh, I also love the fact that there are 31 of them, so I always know where I'm supposed to be. But there are twice in that month that I'm convicted. The 16th day of the month and the 21st day of the month. Verse 2 of both of those are as follows. All of a man's ways seem pure to him, but his motives are weighed by the Lord. Wow. Whoa. All right. So, ostensibly, I'm giving out of joy and gratitude. But am I really? Am I really? Am I giving for the approval of other people? Am I trying to earn my own salvation? Really, why am I doing? Why am I giving? Why am I doing the ministry? Why am I doing anything? And I know that um, it's a gradual process. I'm getting more and more sanctified every day. I feel it. I feel the Holy Spirit at work in my life in a way that I think I'm Lord willing. I'm less sinful than I was yesterday. And I I have so far to go. And so that's the most confusing part. The most confusing part for me is, why am I giving? And then then there's other confusing parts too. I want to advance, see God's kingdom advance, right? So I want to be a wise steward. I want mm. to, to give well, but then where would God have me do that? And yet he doesn't need me for any of these things. So it has to start with the heart posture, but it's also, I don't want to give poorly. And so it can be yeah. confusing, but the process of leaning into the confusion, I think, brings us to the heart of God. And I think okay. therefore the confusion might be a good thing.
1: There's so many things I love about that. Um, one, you reminded me of two scripture verses in particular. One in Galatians where it says, the kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. So when Daryl came in and was un you know judgment-free, which is so Daryl, um, lovely how that drew you in. But then Everybody likes to quote the Esther four passage where it says, "For such a time as this." But the two verses right before it were it for verse fourteen, chapter four says, "For if we keep silent for this relief and deliverance will rise from the Jews from another place." That's the God doesn't need me part, right? Uh, but then who knows? You might have arisen for such a time as this. That, that's the 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 things I heard you say, which is is fantastic.
2: I, I, it's really helpful about the I hadn't. Uh, I'm now going to quote that. I'm going to talk about the Mordecai Esther conversation here. I'll probably mention yeah. another five or six times over the next week, and, and I'm not going to give you any credit for it.
1: <laughs> <It's> t- okay. <laughs> 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 totally great. Um, so let, let's. you mentioned Kimberly several times, and I'm sure you're not wired the same way, but wh- how, how is giving with your spouse, one, both an adventure, a journey, the struggle, w- walk through that process? You're in community, but then also um, I'm sure you guys aren't exactly the 100% on the same page all the time.
2: Yeah, so it's awesome. So, I mean, I had my, I call it, so I came to faith at 28. It's my born-again experience. 38, I met Daryl. It's my born-again-again experience. But Kimberly and I came to faith at roughly the same time. Interesting, longer story, but at about the same time. At 38, I had my born-again-again moment. She did not then. Okay. (laughs) Okay? So I came through and like, God owns it all. We have this opportunity again, and she was like, whoa, wait a second. Your risk tolerance is a little different than mine, and it is. Right. And so we ended up processing that together for a couple of years. And, uh, but it culminated uh, about two years later. And um, we had, we'd always, as we were making more money, we'd always just thought that, gosh, the next thing we, with money is going to really deliver us this happiness and Kimberly I'm always I'm a mountain person I like lakes I like mountains Kimberly's always <laughs> been a beach person but we both decided that if we had a vacation home to get away from Chapel Hill and the stresses and the pressures of the business and running business and etc that would be great And that's the last thing we needed to really be happy many of right. your listeners probably know how this ends but so we go ahead and we buy this beach house and it did deliver us happiness for about three and a half weeks. And then we're like, oh, my goodness. You know, there's, there's these hurricanes are going to come in. And we start stressing about this and that. And it just it didn't deliver happiness for very long. Um, and yet, uh, Kimberly really loved the house. She did really love the house. She loved it more than me. Maybe the reason why it only lasted for three and a half weeks for me is because I always wanted a mountain house. But nonetheless, we were just processing together about giving more. And, uh, at the time I was on the board of a ministry called hope international, which I love hope is a great, great ministry. And I wanted to give more money to hope international. And I was talking to Kimberly about it. We were looking at our income and what we could do. And we were giving some, but I want to give more. And she came to me one day in a way that just blew my mind. And she said, you know what we should do? We should give away this beach house, wow. and give all of the money to hope international. And, um, It was just amazing because it was something that I'm like, oh my goodness, she gets it
0: and she gets it more than I do.
2: And it was really, it was
0: awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I love that story, Henry. Thank you for sharing that. Thinking back to your bandwidth days, um, you're starting to experience financial success, you know, maybe more than you ever dreamed or expected. At what point did you kind of realize that you were in demand, People are making their way to your office basically for one reason. They want to start asking you for money. Probably right around that season. You know, we, um,
2: I, we started Durham Cares because largely in response to that. So maybe three or four years before, I was invited to just fundraising dinner after fundraising dinner after fundraising dinner. And I'd sit through the same presentations or lunches and I just I'd you know I had to have my heart move a little bit, but I have all these questions at the end, like what's the recidivism rate? Like what does excellence look like? What are your outcomes? What's, you know, you take your operating budget divided by the impact. Can somebody help me with this? At the end I'm like, but i am too busy, I got too many other things to do. And um, and I'd end up writing a hundred or five hundred dollar check or whatever, just because I knew it covered the cost of my lunch. And um, one of the reasons we started Durham Cares is just because so many people were coming in. And that's the case for for many, many people that are listening. And uh, what I missed early on is I missed, I found myself in a defensive posture, kind of reeling and thinking that there's just all sorts of different challenging things. And I missed early on to see that actually in each case, it was an opportunity to see what God was doing in the world.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I should have right. seen that earlier. I didn't. It became all about me. They wanted me and my money. And I was frustrated at their lack of accountability or their inability to understand the type of business metrics that drove my business. And we were just talking past each other. But I missed something really big. I railed against the fact that they didn't understand some of the outcome-related stuff, and it didn't really hit my head. But I missed the opportunity to really understand what God was doing through them. And that was my loss. But that happened probably when I was three or four years before Durham Cares. And it's happened since then, and now it's, uh, it just it continues.
1: That's really good. For good
2: reason, because God's doing some amazing things in the world, yeah. incredible things in the world, and he's chosen his people to do that. And if you believe passionately in orphans in Romania or microfinance entrepreneurs in Rwanda or orphans in Swaziland, you should absolutely want to see as many of them impacted and saved as possible. And so you find some people out there that are Christian and have had some financial success. Of course you're going to target them.
1: Yeah, so speaking of that that word targeting, right, which you you have to have that in a sales cycle and a funnel and whatever, which is one thing. But when you get feel like you're a target, it's another difference entirely, right? So tell us a story and protect the names of the innocent or not so innocent as you need to. But give us a story about an awkward pitch where they came and they just flopped.
2: Well, I, I think about two over the course of the last, I think about one that went really well and I think one went really poorly within the last week.
1: Wow, that's and we go. <laughs> That's piping hot fresh right there.
2: there. Yeah, well, <laughs> and and there I'm sure there are some other examples too and there may even be better examples. But I remember uh, having sat down for 45 minutes outside my house with a ministry that was pitching me on uh, the work they are doing. And uh, to be clear, they're doing some incredible work. And it is a ministry we support. And I really, uh, this it's just, I, 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 w- I won't say the name of the ministry or even give you any more hints than that, the less that come across the wrong way. But um, it was really clear that they were there to sell something for me. It, they were, it was very clear to me that they wanted something from me rather than something for me. It was, I was a transaction. I was a transaction. I came up with some ideas. I thought I had some ideas about some things that they might consider in the ministry. And look, if you're out there and you're a development person, and this is a person who ran national development for them, but if you're a development person, if you had to go ahead and implement each one of the ideas of each one of your donors, <laughs> right? Totally. Right. Right. Yeah. It yeah. just would never work out. But this person's and this team, because there are a couple of people there, their inability to just even acknowledge that and just... uh was just oh, okay, yeah yeah and then just kind of move on and then just not even go th- through it. I, f- I felt like I didn't feel and then at the end I felt then like why is it all about me? why do I need to have my ego coddled? Why do I need to have my ego stroked or why do I why do I need the affirmation from them that my idea which may have been an awful idea, why do I have to have that and yet I felt if I'm honest, I felt you know you know kind of bothered by that. Um, now you didn't ask this, but maybe you get there. And on the flip side, I had a you know two days later, I had a uh, two people came in to talk to me about something they're doing in the local uh, in the Bay Area, and and they came in with this spirit of partnership. This is like, hey, this is what we feel called to do. And um, to be clear, we're really excited. We think we have some ideas about how to accomplish it. And if we're going to do it, we're going to need to raise some money to do it. And we'd love it if you participate in it, but we also want to get sense from you about how we would go about doing it and who we should do it with and maybe there's some other people too and sometimes somebody will say that and you're like well let's say it and it's just paying lip service because i've seen all the variations in between but there's just something in the way that they looked me in the eye just there was a spirit of humility and i don't know maybe they had prayed before they walked in and said hey we want to be a blessing to this person we want something for them rather than something from them or maybe they just finished reading henry nowen's book the spirituality fundraising i don't know what it was but i felt blessed i felt blessed i felt like hey these they're coming from the sense that we're in this world of abundance that god can provide and he might use henry kastner and kimberly kastner to participate in this but if not he's he's going to provide someplace else and so why don't we go ahead into this conversation and just like hey like How can we be blessing? Let's ideate together. Let's think about these things. Because that's also one of the the practical things. Know your customer. If you're talking to an entrepreneur and you're pitching an entrepreneur, ask him his ideas with some level of of integrity and authenticity. Because an entrepreneur will have ideas. He can't help but have ideas. Now, they may not all be worth following up. Maybe none of them are.
1: But if you don't listen to the first three, you won't get the fourth where the gold is, Right.
2: It's so
0: profound, simple, but profound.
2: I came closer to knowing God in his heart through the way that they talked about their faith and their mission. And I was blessed because of that. Yeah. And it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. I can't wait to financially support them. And I can't support them maybe to the level that they'd like. And yet when I told sure. them that, I said, I want to be involved. Maybe not as much as you'd want. And just, just to watch their countenance was just one like, we're just happy to be here. It was awesome. It's awesome. That's great. That's
0: great.
1: All right. So we dedicate every episode kind of like a sponsorship to a uh, favorite nonprofit. And we try to choose one that's lesser known potentially. And uh, last episode, I actually chose Synapis. And so we gave Henry a task to figure out a nonprofit of all of the millions of nonprofits that are out there to not choose this one. Yeah. So Henry, you <laughs> want to I don't remember this? you saying,
2: you may have given me that instruction in fairness <laughs> to you. I just, I didn't do the type of job preparing for this as I should have. And who would have thought that out of all the millions of ministries that are out there that you and I would pick the same one? And then on top of that, that I'd be stubborn enough to not cho- not change my answer.
1: <laughs> At the same time, well, though, part, we both have that the— That entre- part is
0: not surprising. Yeah. No.
1: But we both have an entrepreneurial spirit. And anyway, let's see. What, why do you want to support—why Why, why yep. dedicate it to Synapus?
2: And there, there's so many great ones out there. We talked about Hope International before. There's, there's just—there there are lots of them. And Kimberly and I have the great joy of—, of participating in the work of 30 or 40 of them and it's just and it's awesome i'm blessed by it and i'm now tempted to give you a list of names because they're all worthy of it and yet <laughs> god did put me god did put this answer i believe on my heart because the part and prep that i did hear about was that there was going to be a not-for-profit partner and so not reading on from that i believe that god put on my heart synapis and here's why i love synapis i love synapis because it is a just a complete play. And where I feel that God has called me and I think called a lot of others too, which is to support the work of the entrepreneur. The entrepreneur, you know theres a time when in order to influence culture 30 or 40 years ago, you had to be like a baseball player or a rock star. But now in an age of just movies and the, the Foursquare guys showing up in gap ads and all you just you, you see it all around Elon Musk. I mean they're now the, the you know for my kids in Shark Tank, entrepreneurs, are now cultural heroes and change agents. They're the ones out there at the pointy end of the spear in the marketplace. They're innovating, they're, design, they're crea- designing, they're creating, they're taking real risk, and they are searching for all the right things and all the wrong things. If you can come around those entrepreneurs and to help them understand how much God loves them, and that their identity is not as a 20% grower or a company that's shrinking and about to go out of business. But they, when God looks down at the entrepreneur, he sees his son. When you can get that entrepreneur activated with that and they respond out of joy and gratitude for their work and who they are, they can go out and just completely transform the marketplace with a scale and a leverage that is, I just think, is unique. God uses every one, of his, uh, every one of his followers, and you can be an artist, you can be absolutely a teacher. There are a hundred different things, but in the marketplace, the entrepreneur is a special, unique opportunity, and I think it's overlooked. I think that if, if, if a funder were to look through and come up with a taxonomy of all the different places they give to, and I think about the way that I traditionally had given to, you think about, again, youth discipleship, and church playing, all important things, microfinance, clean water. I mean, there's sports ministry, so many great things. But to support the work of the entrepreneur who is doing such incredible work in the marketplace where culture is set, now that's a special thing. And Synapse does that. Not only do they do that really well in emerging markets, but their, their heart posture towards partnership and bringing together other organizations that do the same thing through their Forge event. They just had one in Nairobi I got a chance to go to. I don't know. There are 35 or 40 other ministries from Mongolia to Brazil all wow. getting together. It's like, how do we love on these young men and women in a way that brings them closer to God. And then, like you see another organization I'll mention here, is Praxis. Praxis is about the redemptive frame and, and how do we come alongside these entrepreneurs and help them to understand the redemptive purpose of their work and the scale and the leverage that happens from all the partners, vendors, customers, and employees that, that, that will then be touched by that entrepreneur is great leverage and scale and i love it so Synapse, i think does a great job of it and that's why i'm not playing ball and coming up with another
1: i love it yeah. but secondary shout outs to hope and praxis that's right
2: that's right. Indeed, with, we did that yeah. don't you like the way i put that in and also not following the rules again
0: you know what that is perfect none of us around here are rule followers no no you no know, that's good though Henry, thank you so much yes, for joining you. us. This has been a blast. Thank you. I've learned a lot. Yeah. Super great to fun. Have you. The
1: idea okay. of partnership and getting community, absolutely essential. Great, great points yeah. for sure.
0: God bless you both. All right. Uh so Todd, that was fun. Let's break down the game film. Yeah. That was fun. What'd you see? What'd you learn? What do we want to take away from it?
1: Well, I, I, the, the, the deal of a, another guy spurn him on, right? So Daryl's starting off and yeah. his born-again-again again experience of having somebody else coming along and asking you a question without judgment, not rating his Christianity or his answer, but just going, I think I got something better for you,
0: yeah. you know? Yeah. He, had a, he did that with me. Yeah, He's like, you can do better than this. I, I'll tell you, as a development guy, listening to him talk – about that second ask where he felt blessed.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: I mean, folks, that is what we are going for here. Yeah. I just love it. And and I think at the beginning, and I, I referred to this, he said they came in with a spirit of partnership. And it's like he could tell. And I think that's, would you say that's true, Todd? I mean, when people are coming in to you to talk, you can tell pretty quickly, even before conversation starts, what their spirit is. 100%.
1: And I, I yep. think the, if we want to call it a suspicion meter or BS meter, yep. um, the high capacity crowd has a very astute suspicion meter. If you're coming in and you want just a transaction, I need money, I'm raising, I got the capital campaign, all that stuff, they yep. can sniff that out fast. Yep. If you Absolutely. stop a beat, like you said, and by the way, also a great note on Henry Nowen's book, Uh, But if you stop a beat and it is, hey, if it is just maybe you repeat that, I want more for this person than I'm going to need from them. Jesus, help me get in a posture to serve whatever it is. And by the way, if we actually do help into partner and work together, invite them to the journey, whatever language you're using as well, I think that just pause, breathe, rest listening, prayer with Jesus, and then head in is a is definitely a best practice to get into that mindset rather than the transactional one.
0: You know, another thing I heard early on when he was talking about, um, you know, kind of his early days when he re- realized he was in demand, he's going to fundraising dinner, fundraising dinner, fundraising dinner. And one of the things I heard him say is, is just, I, you know, I would hear these stories and, and he said, I would get moved a little bit but really, I'm I'm asking effectiveness questions like how, you know, give me some data. Tell me how this thing actually works. Tell me, get, you know, and I think that's an important note for us, too, is don't forget. I mean, tell great stories for sure. But don't forget about the credibility factor about, you know, giving people some data and some proof in the pudding.
1: I'm not sure we said this last time. And so you can totally cut it if we did. Yeah. However, it, it is certain to to boil it down for me anyway, and this is not the official whatever, but um, you've got to have a great vision. you got to be able to execute on that vision and be able to communicate it to the right crowd. And I don't think most nonprofits struggle on the have a great vision. They see a need. They're out there trying to accomplish whatever the big, nasty, awesome is. But showing the execution on that vision or showing the metrics, what you were just saying, showing the effectiveness of to accomplishing, you know, what Henry was saying, dollars per whatever, all that kind of stuff. Being able to show and articulate how you're fulfilling that mission is essential. And then again, it's just getting the reps then in the heat of the day to go talk to the people and invite them to the journey, right?
0: That's right. That's right. All right. With that, we're going to conclude our first official co-hosted interview. Way to go, buddy. Super fun. Well,
1: join us for the next time. We'll we'll leave you hanging on who it is, but thanks for tuning in. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks.
0: The Breakthrough Podcast is produced by myself, J. Paul Freidenmaker. Thanks to Todd DeKreiter for co-hosting with me, and special thanks to Henry Kessner for joining us today. We're excited to dedicate another episode to Synapis. Check out their links in the show notes, along with some of the other ministries that Henry mentioned. And may you break through to radical generosity in your efforts to invite people to join your cause.